That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. The Vox slash Recode family has a new podcast, Land of the Giants. And it looks at all of the giants of the tech industry and how they got that way. Today, we're going to talk to Jason Del Rey, the voice behind the first season of this podcast, which focuses on Amazon. But look, I've wanted to get someone on the show to talk turkey to me about Amazon for a while now, because they're at this weird place where maybe they're the most powerful tech company in the land at the moment. And what does that mean for them or for us? Jason Del Rey is the perfect person to ask. By the way, my thanks to the Vox team for generously hosting this recording in their studios. So Amazon's basically been your beat for like, you were saying six years? Yeah. Like, it, not it, commerce generally, right? But pretty much Amazon. That's, there's enough story to cover there. Well, yeah. I mean, I... I, I I like to say I cover sort of e-commerce and future retail broadly, but over the years, for obvious reasons, Amazon has taken up more and more of my both output and mind, um, for better or worse. So I, I said I have been meaning to have you come on for a while now because I've wanted to talk to someone that follows Amazon closely because I have this sense, it just feels to me not following them closely, that they're different all of a sudden. Like, it's not, Amazon's clearly always been an aggressive company. Yeah. Um, ask anyone that competes with them in retail. But it feels different, like they're almost in a move fast and break things sort of sense. Mm. There's like an arrogance and like they're not afraid of controversial things. So I'm thinking of things like they're willing to pick fights with like the Googles of the world. They're willing to do the the facial recognition stuff and not back down from it. They're, the ring stuff with, with the police and stuff like yeah. that. So, you know, not asking to name names or anything, but like, is there some sort of like a cohort of new executives that have come in or something? Like, has there been a generational turnover at Amazon recently? You know, the short answer is no. Like, w you know, one of the reasons they've probably been as successful as they are, or they will say, is that the leadership at the top of the company is insanely consistent. I mm. mean, you look at the top executives under Jeff Bezos, and for the most part, and, and it's usually the SVP title, or now they have some of them have CEO titles. So Jeff Wilkie is CEO of Consumer, um, Andy Jassy, CEO of AWS. Th these, these people, and for the most part, white men, have been at the company for 15, 20 years. So the short answer to that part is no. Um, do you agree with my assessment that they they feel different um, recently? I would say as someone who's covered them, like <laughs> been like really in the weeds on them, um, I I just think they've gotten bigger, and so it feels that way. Mm. I I don't I don't sense the same thing. Um, but part of the reason I wanted to um, 
do the podcast that I'm I'm doing, which we can talk. We'll we talk will, about. We will. Um, is that and, and this is not supposed to be an unnatural plug. Is that <laughs> I won't even name it. Um, is that to, if you actually go back and like study the history of the company, it explains a lot of what you're seeing today. And so they've always been there's, of course, many changes over time, but they've always sort of had this confidence bordering on arrogance right. that can manifest itself in um at times, some off-putting ways. Yeah, you know. So well, HQ2 being one of them. That's another perfect example. Yeah. It's like what I'm sensing is that they're willing to throw elbows all of a sudden, and maybe they always were. And I, you're, you're right. I just wasn't paying attention. But it's also like maybe it is that I don't know. I, Amazon, I always had a warm, fuzzy feeling for, mm. and now they're one of the companies that, as we're going to talk about with the podcast, that you start to think I'm a little scared of them. Yeah. As a citizen, I'm scared of them. Yeah. So, I, you know, w- one point I forgot to make on the, on the executive is, um, and I don't know if he is either to get credit or blame for what you think you've noticed about the company is um, the person who runs communications and policy uh, at the company is a guy named Jay Carney, former journalist, Time Magazine, then um, was Obama's, uh, essentially Obama's press secretary. I forget if that was his exact title, but right. he was facing the press every day in the White House and then was hired um, to lead comms and policy at Amazon. He's been there now, I think it'll be four years. I think it's around four years. Um, and so I don't know this to be sure, but some of what you're saying may 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 come from his style. Um uh, so that's that. That's sort of my like yeah. best guess. But I haven't. I I think this is largely the same Amazon internally that um, that I've sort of report reported on over the last six years. Well, I am going to name the name. It's Land of the Giants, and um, so this is going to be a multi-part series that you guys are doing. Yeah. So it's a the idea is it's a franchise on um, with uh, several seasons. Each season will. Uh, highlight and examine one of the FANG companies. So Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Um, this is season one. Um, yeah, so the franchise or the the series is called Land of the Giants. This season is called The Rise of Amazon. Why Amazon uh, first? Um, that's a very good idea. Uh, uh, that's a very good question, I should say. Um, so I'll try to make this backstory quick. The backstory, you know, there may have been several conversations going on inside Vox Media at the same time, um, but Peter Kafka, my colleague, who is a great media reporter, um, he said to me one day, hey, we're looking to do more podcasts. We've had a lot of success. You should do something about Amazon. And I think that sort of coincided with other people in the company had this idea of doing um, one on all the FANG companies. And so they knew they already had someone internally with expertise. Um I was very interested, um, and so I. That's sort of the best answer I could give on why Amazon first. And obviously, I mean, you know, even more so today than when we started talking about this a year ago. There was so much focus, um, not only in DC, but I think in sort of the media, and I think more and more in customer lives on the power of Amazon. And so it just felt like a good place to start. And uh, as of right now, I think we're only two episodes in three counting the intro but um there's so there's what four or five more coming yeah um so 
just want to poke at a couple things that uh, some things that you have already talked about on the show, but other things that I'm sure are coming. Um, so everyone, or at least normal people, consumers think of Amazon. It's the everything store. That's the genius of the company. Um, but there, there, there's two other things that like are genius ideas that would have been amazing if they were the only things that they had come <laughs> up with. Um, the first one you have talked about being um, uh, Prime. And, you know, today I'm going to do a story about like Apple's earnings and how like it's all about services and subscriptions now. And so that's essentially uh, the moat for keeping the customers locked into your system. And that was always the idea with Prime is Bezos said, I want to put a moat around my cus- my best customers. Correct. So it's insane how, you know, everybody's about subscription revenue, right? <laughs> like yeah. how early they were to that idea. Yeah. And, um, you know, a big part of it, I think, was instinct. Um, you know, something I don't get into really in, in the first episode, which is sort of telling the origin story of Prime and then fast forwarding to how it locks consumers in, the psychology of it, is um, it was instinct. I think I think there was some influence from like the Costco model back then. Um, but I talked to some early executives who said, there was instinct this could be a big thing, but we really didn't know at the time. Like it seemed like faster shipping was better. It seemed like we knew there was some friction to like, you know, figuring out your shipping for each order. And we were even back then into, um, well, also the, the equation of if it's just simpler for me to get in the car and go buy it at a store, how do we make it frictionless enough that you're like, you know what? Screw it. I'll just order it. Cause yeah, it'll be here abso- tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've seen what they've tried to do over time, which is now announced that prime is going to be mostly next day. Well, they call it one day. Sometimes that's next day. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little more than that. And then, and then prime now, um, in big cities, which is, you know, one or two hour delivery, um, which they cannot and are not making money on, but it's just sort of expanding that moat. Um, so yeah, I mean, how many years later? Prime 2005, 14 years later. I mean, it to me, it's probably the biggest reason they are who they are today. And I, I, this was mentioned on the episode, but I had heard this before too that uh, Prime really wasn't a hit until they started doing the the video add-ons, right? So which that... is odd to think about because we all think, oh, well, no one really watches Prime Video, but it turns out. Yeah, and so I don't know if it was, you know, if it was actually that people loved it so much right. or was this men- – I think it was, it's the psychology of it. Yeah. Like, I'm, wait, I'm getting this thing too? Right. And, you know, um, I have a written oral history of Amazon Prime too where I talk to many more people than you hear on the episode. And one of the video executives said, you know, our thinking at the time or Jeff's thinking at the time was – we knew we couldn't get great content um, back then. Like we we, do, we couldn't spend what Netflix was spending. And so Jeff basically said, how much could customers complain if they're getting it, quote, for free? Mm-hmm. And so, yes, that was a big moment. And um, that was one of the biggest moments. And then we know over the, la- uh, over the last few years, last five years, they've been adding all sorts of things to Prime, which – I still are. I still think most people think of as secondary, but when you look, if you think about everything you're getting, it the psychology of it is, wow, I'm getting a deal. And Bezos even says, um, <laughs> you know, customers should feel irresponsible not to be a Prime member. 
Now, there, there's a flip side to their, that irresponsibility, which is um, – I think I just made up a word um, – which is prime customers price compare much less than non-prime customers too. Amazon often has very good pricing, but sometimes, especially on the quote long tail of items, they don't have the best price. And so prime sort of just eliminates the thinking to shopping, which maybe is not always the best thing for your wallet. Right. Um, The other genius idea is obviously AWS. Again, as someone that has been a close observer of them for years, how has AWS taking off like a freaking rocket moonshot has that changed amazon at all in terms of how the overall company executes um i think it i mean so so aws ties into a lot of ideas and some of which i explore in the in the in the series one of which is to think about um you know there'll be an episode about amazon's history with wall street and sort of being able over time to convince wall street that um will be profitable eventually um, when we want to, when we on want our terms. to, yeah, listen, the market share, um, you know, people forget now, but Amazon went public, like right at the very beginning of the internet, um, inter- consumer internet, I should say. And so they were, their messaging was a lot about like, not only the future of Amazon, but the future of the internet. And so there's all this green space for us to grow. Um, but what that re- relationship allowed them to do was invest in something like AWS that, a Walmart, you know, you can make the argument a Walmart or Target or Barnes and Noble because they were already locked into a certain expectation from Wall Street of profits. Maybe they never had the foresight to create those things, but definitely wouldn't have had the capital um, to burn cash on this crazy new idea. And so, um, so that's sort of the back. That's sort of how I think about why they were able to, in one way, Wall Street was a big piece of that, and then what it's allowed them to do. It's a fast-growing, super profitable business. Keep prices low on the retail side of the business. Invest in crazy new ideas like Alexa. Like I think, I think all of those tentacles probably have some connection with the success of AWS. Now I don't know if that's what you were asking, but that's sort of well, how I think about it holistically I guess, for the company. Right. You intuit that it sort of like freed them up in the sense that like it's the inverse of Google. Google's had this cash cow for all these years, and then it's always been trying to invent this other thing that can be a second business that's as good. So Amazon, you know, retail is a fine business, but you know, this this cloud stuff is just throwing off cash and insane margins and stuff like that. So like they've done the inverse of Google, they've done what Google could never do. Like why didn't Google come up what why wasn't it not Microsoft? The fact that it was Amazon is the part that's kind yeah, of crazy. And and you know, um Andy Jazz who runs AWS um spoke at our last code conference, Kara Swisher interviewed him and he said something like, "When we were so nervous when we launched AWS about it leaking because we assumed Microsoft would be out with something, you know, nine months later, and it ended up taking them. I don't, I don't know what the timeline was, something like seven years. Um, so we had like a seven-year head start. Um, but, but this conversation actually makes me think. You know, you, you, you talking earlier about Amazon seeming like a little more arrogant, a little mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. break things, um, move fast, break things." Um, I do wonder if the success of AWS and the cash that it's thrown off, it probably has allowed them to think even bigger than they maybe would have without this giant profitable business that's totally separate from the core. And so, you know, this is one small example, but I was having a conversation with my wife last night. I said, um, 
so my wife's not in tech or media, and like I look at her as like a normal consumer mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. not like an early adopter in the media world like I am. And uh, we were talking about this new service, fashion service Amazon's trying to do, um, which essentially is a Stitch Fix mm-hmm. clone. And she said to me, what? Like, why is Amazon, like, why do they try to do everything? Like, why are they trying to do it? They're not good at fashion. Like, what gives them the right to, like, go after fashion? And I said, they just more and more feel like if you're not growing in sort of every possible way, you're dying. And so um, I've gone a little off from AWS, but I think the success of AWS and the the profitability specifically of that that business – has reinforced the idea internally that they should basically be trying anything they can where they think they have differentiation and a good idea. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features Features, help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee, so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. How do you make a password that's strong enough so no one will guess it and it's impossible for you to forget and do it for a hundred different sites and make it so everyone in your company can do the same without ever needing to reset them? Sounds impossible unless you have one password. More than any other product I've ever told you about, I can vouch 1000% for one password. I can't live without it. One password makes strong security easy for your people and gives you the visibility you need to take action when you need to. Any device, any time, one password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. One password's award-winning password manager is trusted by millions of users and over 100,000 businesses from IBM to Slack. It beat out 40 other options to become Wirecutter's top pick for password managers. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride for your growing business. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash ride. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to onepassword.com slash ride. I feel like I'm not even asking you questions. We're more sort of like poking around and at Amazon here. I, but I, so I in, like it. In that vein, yep. the home stuff. Like I just did a story yesterday about there might be a TikTok phone, right? Like everybody, once you have success, you're like, well, we need our platform. We need, you know, and so obviously Amazon famously flopped with the with the Fire Phone. Yep. To what degree it, is it just that, oh, the home, that's our platform. 
No one else is there. We're going to, on the one hand, you can see that it makes sense for what they're already doing, where it's like uh, everything as a service, we're, we're the app or the service that you will manage your household with. But then it seems like, and you talked about this on one of the episodes, they're going deeper where it's like, we're also going to be inside your home. Yeah. And all the data that that entails and things like that. Yeah, your 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 home is is going to live on the Amazon platform, right. essentially, or the Alexa platform as it is. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I think um, based on some previous reporting I've done, I think no matter what they say publicly, I think the idea did start with commerce and the and the belief that voice commerce was going to be a thing and so we want to experiment in this space um i can't tell you exactly what made them believe that i don't know if it was observing siri and other voice services and just you know having good intuition about what Mm -hmm. what consumers would want but that's where it started um i think it's clear today i mean so part of the reason i did an episode about you know, trying to ask the question, like, what does Amazon really want from our home and interviewing the head of the smart home at Amazon is um, trying to get some insight into, like, what the end game for them is. Right. Um, and I think I think they truly believe if we know more and more about the way you live, we will create new things that make you happy and, uh, you know – make your life easier, as they would say. Um, and so in that episode specifically, um, I got a lot of talk like that out of their vice president of the smart home, um, which in one hand is frustrating, but I, but but the reason, part of the reason I want to do a podcast series, narrative podcast about them was if you can hear from their executives and then I have the ability to decode what they're actually saying, we may have a better idea about where, like how they think and where they're going next than we otherwise would have. Um, if I don't have sort of the, if I can't play sort of, um, translator. And so that's a, this is a long way of saying, um, I, I think they truly just think, um, they are an innovation company, and the more data they have about everything going on in our lives, the more opportunities for new creations they'll have. Well, uh, Tim Wu's book, uh, The Attention Merchants, and the idea that like TV and radio were the first time that like marketers could get inside your home. The home was always like advertising and, and things like that. It was all public in the public realm. Yeah. But then – they could never penetrate inside your home. And like, I'm not saying that Amazon is just doing this for commerce, but then you do see, like you describe and like um, uh, lots of other people have talked about like Amazon getting into health insurance and things like this. You can see the ways, again, if I know everything about your household, you know, when not, not just when the, the Cheerios is low, but when you, you're, you've caught a cold, yeah. you know, when you have a new baby, like all that stuff, like this is finally getting inside the home and having all of the data about your household. Yeah. What, you know, what's interesting to me is on one hand, you know, um, Google may still know more about us than, <laughs> you know, if you if you're a regular Google user, than right. almo- than almost anyone based on. I mean, I will not repeat all the things I type into Google on a daily basis, but there's some like really personal shit in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point you made as the one example where where 
where it's stuff you you may not no one may not uh, the stuff that you wouldn't type into a search engine or into Amazon like maybe you're just starting to get a cold right, right. And, and Alexa can sense that or um, well and it's not just them ambiently sensing your voice it is if they control the smart lights right well gee Jason's gone to sleep at 7 p.m. every night for the last two weeks he must be depressed do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or yeah. like how, how they, you've been away. They've, they've been on vacation in Europe for a month. Like they would know that kind of stuff. Right. And one and on one hand, like I could see some people hearing that and be like, like really? Like that's like, yeah, they could know that. But you think they really want to focus there? I, I think there are people inside that company thinking about all of these things. So I think I think you're right on. Mm-hmm. And I think to a lot of people, if they trust that that's a reality and people are thinking about that type of stuff inside this company – could and sh- maybe should be worrisome. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, what this podcast has stressed to me, and maybe it's obvious now to the general public, is like their ambition is really limitless. Um, they, you know, this is a phrase that's probably out there already, but, you know, they were the everything store and they really think they can and have the right to be the everything company. Um and that just throws off all sorts of questions for society, our economy, um, uh, that, and we try to tackle a lot of them in this series. Uh, two more things real quick before I let you go um, that we've been talking about on the show recently. Um, what's your take on whether or not the Whole Foods acquisition has been successful for them? Hmm. Um, successful maybe is the wrong thing because okay. maybe it's just about learning the grocery business. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to take a little bit of a cop out, which is I think it's too early to tell still. I think this is sort of like you'll judge this deal on like a five to 10 year horizon. Um, I think it's successful in that it's been great branding for Prime um, and really anything in retail um, they want in some way. Big big bets to connect back to Prime and value for their Prime customers. Um, so that is still who they care almost entirely about. Um, I think um, I think maybe you know there's there's not much real data out there on this, but I think they maybe um, overestimated uh, how much sort of new traffic they would they would drive with this versus. Um, current whole food customers who are already prime customers and maybe will spend more now because they get, because they get the prime deal. Um, but I, I think they also like a huge part of this was, you know, grocery delivery and, you know, they don't make those economics public. Um, but, uh, I think they just believe that they have to have to succeed in grocery delivery if they're going to at least be the everything store. And so having all these, you know, stores which are really partly distribution centers close to customers, I think um, they just, they saw something they they had to do. So short answer is I think it's, I think it's still relatively too early to tell. Long answer is um, everything I just said. <laughs> and um, I, I, one more piece is, you know, we saw what happened to their market cap when they announced the the acquisition. Their market cap essentially went up higher than what they spent on the right. deal. And so- it's hard to look at it and say it's a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other thing is, you know, the word of the day is antitrust stuff. And it's it's weird because 
the other companies, there are specific things you can point to. And aside in Amazon's case, aside from the disadvantaging other retailers on the Amazon platform, yeah, it it feels like the charge against Amazon is just you're too big, you do too much, and like that's kind of too broad an argument to make. Like you can specifically charge Facebook and Google with that's an infraction against this or whatever, but can is Amazon ever really going to be in danger with antitrust just from the argument of you're too big? So uh, I'll get to that. But but the first thing you said, which was other than like, so the <laughs> other than is what we're going to explore in episode six of this series. Excellent. Um, and I, my feeling is they are, they're a bit concerned about, um, like the spotlight on competition on the Amazon platform. Mm. You know, if you talk to people around the company back last fall, there were people saying things like, we're just lucky we're not, we're happy we're not Google or Facebook, right? right? right. And I think they probably still feel that way. But um, I think there is risk to momentum, um, you know, behind more and more sellers speaking out about some of the fee structures some of the, you know, they already had to overturn one of their pricing prop policies in the last few months, which essentially said you can't sell off of Amazon for less than you sell on Amazon, right? And there are people who argue there's still ways they're they're sort of suppressing sellers who try to do that. Um, so I think I, I I don't know for sure what laws will be broken, but I think there's going to be increased scrutiny there, and um, and. Uh, Trying, trying not to give away too much of our sure, episode, yeah, but yeah. I think that's one thing. The other thing I've heard that some people inside of Amazon are concerned about is this idea that um, the bundling of all these services into Prime is somehow anti-competitive mm, because mm. Amazon is not does not have to necessarily charge market rate for a given service right. or necessarily make money from Prime specifically. And so I wrote a piece maybe a month or two ago about questions that FTC had been asking competitors of Amazon or topic areas. And one of them was the idea of prime bundling and whether it was unfairly undercutting competitors. So I think, listen, I I don't know what's going to happen, but I think there I, I think there's going to be a lot of digging still to come. And I think they are probably more nervous today than they were even six months ago. And Bezos is at least publicly putting on the good show of like, Scru- well, of course, we, we we invite scrutiny, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, listen, the, the third-party platform is a huge money source for them. Obviously, Prime is their secret sauce. So yeah. The thing the thing that has struck me as I talk to more and more sellers, and I've talked I've talked to big brands too, but especially, you know, people doing a hundred thousand hundreds of thousands of dollars, a couple million dollars a year, um, is the feeling like, yeah, the market share numbers say eMarketer now says 38% of e-commerce in the U.S. Amazon is used to be 50. Um, who knows what, like where the real number is. It's a big chunk. The sellers who say, like, I literally could not have a light. Like, I have to sell on Amazon. There is not a choice not to sell on Amazon. You could say, okay, well, you're still you're still choosing. And if you don't like it, you know, get into a different business. But the idea of we can't we can't live without them but we really, really are struggling with them um, is just a storyline that's very fascinating to me and one I think that's going to get increased sort of spotlight over the coming year. Well, Land of the Giants sounds like we've got some episodes coming up that I'm certainly looking forward to. Thanks, Jason. Thanks so much. 